You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Lexi for reading that and uh, I don't know if you guys want to adjust that maybe I think that's where my feedback's coming from that little thing right there you know <laughs> we'll just have to yeah that's better all right so this summer I was uh, able to go and do some different things where I was around a lot of other pastors. Most of them are older than me, although I'm getting older myself. I'm still finding myself around a lot of pastors who are my senior. And uh, I was at this one event this this summer and just having a good time. And they were out, everybody wants to know, how's the church plant going? How's that Awakened Church in Natchitoches? How's things going? And I tell them, uh, like, I tell them how's it going. I, I like tell them by name about Tierra and Man, I just lost my, my, my mind. Where, Charlie. Charlie's like my new friend. So it's okay if I forget his name because he's new. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not really new. He's been here like a month now. But you know, I tell him about all you guys, you know, uh, Quentin and John and Mala and Derek and their little, their family and just how much God's doing cool stuff. And I mean, Kevin, they ask me all the time, you just get a bunch of college students? I'm like, nope, Kevin comes. <laughs> Kevin's not a college student. No, man. But, but it's so good. And uh, he was a yeah he was. Okay, in 1977, we had, we had, he was he was so well, that still counts. We'll still count it, man. That's that's cool. And uh, so you know, as so I'm telling him, like, how's it going? One one gentleman um, who was my senior, so I'm being very respectful, like yes, should you should be. And uh, he's like, I said, he said, well, how's it going? I said, you know, we're just praying for people to come be a part of this church to help us make a difference in the community. And he said. Well, you got to do more than pray. You got to work for it because God helps those who help themselves. And I bit my tongue because <laughs> I, I am doing more. I'm not just sitting at home every day like, okay, I'm going 50 hours a week for the church plan. I'm just going to pray. I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to do and inviting, investing, meeting, going here, there, and, you know, all this stuff. And so I, I bit my tongue and I was like, you know, aren't you right? So that, that, that phrase come up, God helps those who help themselves. And think about you for just a second. Talk to me real quick. If you were to ask God to help you with something, and, and what would that be? What is something you would say right now? I was like, you know what? I'd ask God to help me with this. What is, what is something? School. Yep. Relationship. Relationship. Yep. Be a little bit more considerate. Okay. Help me, help me to be a little bit more considerate of others. That's, that's good. Yeah. Anything else? 
Organize. God, help me be organized. Priorities. Help me get my priorities right, God. These are great things, man. If I'm going to get some help from God, I'm going to ask him. You know, help me with these things. These are all really, really good things. I know probably school, uh, somebody said that's like the first thing, right? Because we got a number of folks in here this morning. It's like that's probably right up there. Like, okay, this semester, and I got this one class. Maybe you got more than one that you're like, oh, but, but we probably have that. So we're in a series, and we're calling it Myth Busted. And uh, the idea is there's these phrases, like cliches that you've heard, and it'll, where somebody will say something like, well, the Bible says something like, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Or, you know, the Lord says, you know, it'll be something like money's the root of all evil, which it's te- these things are like technically it's a myth because they're not in the scriptures, at least not worded that way. And so we're looking at these kind of ideas that these are myths, and we're trying to see how do we look at the scripture and see that the myth is busted, and what does that mean? Now, some of these phrases may be good. They might even be true. But if, they, if we say God says them, or if we say this is what the Bible says, and it's not, it, what it does is it leads us to some bad theology. And the cure for bad theology is to know God and to get to know his word. Now, theology is just, just so we know what we're talking about, like our understanding of God and the things of God. That's what theology is, basically. And we want to get that right, don't we? I mean, if there's anything we want to get right, it's our understanding of God. And, and what, what, what is that all about in our relationship to that? So today we're looking at this phrase, God helps those who help themselves. And we're comparing it to this particular passage of scripture that Lexi read this morning from Romans chapter 5. And if you have a Bible, we're going we're gonna to read through that a little bit at a time and kind of go deeper into it. In Romans chapter 5, that begins in verse 6. And we'll, we'll get back to that in just a minute. But here's the big idea that we're going to build on today. This is like the foundation for the next few minutes. God desires to help you and be active in your life according to his plan. He does. God, it's good news. God desires to help you and be active in your life, and it's according to his plan. So we're going to build on that this morning as we look at, a little bit deeper at this idea, does God help those who help themselves, and what might that mean for us? We'll start with this. There are things you cannot do. There's some things you just cannot do. You might be like me, and you don't like hearing that. Um, I actually, I found a, a meme and uh, as Christian, if you put up there, uh, you know, the cat can't do it. And the cat says, I shall prove them wrong. And the cat's laying there <laughs> trying to mop the floor, right? So, and I don't know, I, you have to, I was like several memes in today's message. And that's just because uh, over the last couple of weeks, some of y'all have been like posting memes and sending me memes. And so it just kind of got me in this mindset of, of memes. And that, that one really spoke to me. You know, it was like they told the cat the cat can't do it, and the cat's trying anyway, right? Um, have you ever attempted to do something just to prove them wrong? Like you've, you've done that, right? Like I'll show them. How many times does somebody actually tell you you can't do it, though? You just kind of in your mind you think, they think I can't do it, so I'll try it anyway. Because a lot of times we get, I've seen that. And there's not that many people actually telling other people, you can't do that. But you get our mind because we kind of tell ourselves you can't do that. We actually kind of want to prove ourselves wrong sometimes. But there's that idea like when somebody says you cannot do this, well, I'll show them. I'll prove that. And sometimes that motivates us. And sometimes we just have to realize there's some things you just cannot do. Because let's get, let's get into this. Verse 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, that's how it started, when we were still powerless, when we were without strength, when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready, is what it's saying. It's like, we cannot do this. We were utterly helpless to do what it is that we're about to talk about. So 
We don't really like it if somebody insinuates that we appear weak, do we? But, but when we uh, seem to like all have our moments, though, where we're like, oh, this is, this is a moment of weakness. And we all admit to those, right? It's like, don't, know, don't tell me I'm weak or I can't do something. But then we'll turn right around. It's like the human paradox. And the human paradox is like we want to appear strong while knowing we need help. We want to appear strong, but we all have this. We know I'm on, I need some help to get through this. I need some help. So there are some things you simply cannot do. I don't like it. You probably don't like it. And I even catch myself denying it because I have my Superman moments. You know what Superman moments, right? You know about those? Like your super, uh, you know, super whatever moments. Like, I got this. That's your super whatever moment. It could be, you know, Superman, superwoman, super parent, super student, super athlete, super pastor. You have all these super things. Like, I got this without actually getting the strength from God where it needs to come from. Actually, there was, I read this book, and it had this, this quote in it. This is a, a, a book from a few years ago. It's called Velvet Elvis. And this line says, um, I meet so many people who have super whatever rattling in their head. They have this person they are convinced they're supposed to be, and their super whatever is killing them. They have this image they picked up over the years of how they're supposed to look and act and work and play and talk, and it's like this voice that never stops shouting in their ear. And the only way to not be killed by it is to shoot first. And sometimes I think, you know, I try to be super pastor or super, super dad, especially, you know, I try to be you know, super dad and, and super husband. And, and a super whatever can really put this pressure on you that's not supposed to be there. Here's some good news, though. You're not defined by what you are not. Guys, you are not defined by what you are not. If somebody tells you you can't do this or you're not that, you're not defined by that. This is essentially the, the message in Romans 5, 6. You're not able to save yourself, but you never were. You're not defined by that. You are, you're, you're defined if you're a Christian or follower of Jesus. You're defined by who Jesus is and what he's done. That's what you become defined by. Verse 6 goes, continues on. And Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. It says, you are utterly helpless. There are some things you can't do for your own, on your own. There's, you just can't do them. But Christ came at just the right time. And he died for us. It's also put this way, same, same idea in Ephesians 2.8. And it says there, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one can boast about it. He gives us this salvation. It's a gift he gives us. And we don't earn it. So this God helps those who help themselves. Sometimes we get in our, our minds like, oh, we can earn this enough. We can do enough and God will meet us halfway. You've heard that? That's another one of those. You know, the Bible says God will meet you halfway. No, it doesn't. It's not there. <laughs> so when we hear God helps those who help themselves, let's keep it in this, this context. Number one, it's not in the Bible, that phrase, not in the Bible. Number two, there are some things like salvation, like holiness, like righteousness, you cannot do by yourself. But you can do, praise God, because he's already done what it takes to be that, to do that. So in this love and salvation God has, he extends into every aspect of your life. God desires to help you. God wants to be involved in your life, but he won't force his way in. That's like this really awesome thing about God. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for us. He, he's, he's got, like, he, he, he loves you. He wants to help you, but he's not going to force his way in. He's going to let you make the choices and decisions. That, that's part of the human nature. You get to choose, and that's great especially when we choose God's way. 
Because God's help and love can't be manipulated. God's help and love can't be manipulated. Sometimes I think that phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is kind of like this idea of trying to manipulate God's love and God's help. Like, if, if I do at least this much, God will come and he'll do all the rest. I can, I can kind of manipulate that. And I found, there's another meme I think I've got up there. Yeah. When I was young, I asked God for a bicycle. When I found out it didn't, uh, found out it didn't that work, I, I stole one and asked for forgiveness. So, you know, it's like this idea is like, I, God will just, you know, if he doesn't answer it this way, I'll do it this way. And God will, he'll just kind of meet me there where it is. And I can manipulate God through prayer. So, you know, think about what is, what is trying to manipulate God through prayer look like? It's probably like, like this. God, I know I haven't talked to you lately, right? But if you'll help me pass this test, I promise I'll go to Awaken Church on Sunday morning. Like, you make a promise. Like, if you do this, I'll do that, God. Like, I'll make a deal with you, Lord. I'll make, I'll make a deal with you. If you help me get this job, I will tithe on my income. I will t- I'll be a tither. But if you would just, you know, all these kind of things will just kind of pile up. And we can say, okay, I'll try to. And it's been trying to manipulate God through prayer. Yeah. So if this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, isn't in the Bible, like many believe it is, where did it come from? Let's talk about that for just a minute. Where did this phrase come from? I blame Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> and uh, it's because Benjamin Franklin probably, although he didn't invent this phrase, probably is the one who popularized it in, in, our, in our country, in, our, in America, which wasn't even a country yet when he popularized it. Ben Franklin published this publication called Poor Richard's Almanac in the 1700s. And in uh, 1757 edition, he wrote this, Let us hearken to good advice, and something may be done for us. So listen to good advice, and something may be done for you. God helps those who help themselves, as poor Richard says in his almanac of 1733. So that phrase in our culture kind of found its way there. And this, it was, Back then, poor Richard's almanac was famous. Benjamin Franklin wrote this, this like every year, wrote these, these almanac things. And everybody would like want to get it, want to read it, want to hear somebody else read it. And so this is where the phrase became popular. However, the true origin of the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, seems to most likely be from ancient Greece. There's this story from, from Aesop, and Aesop told this story about Hercules and the Wagoneer, and it's real short. Basically, it goes like when, when the god, talk about Hercules, when the god Hercules saw the Wagoneer kneel, crying, Hercules, lift my will from the mud where it is stuck. Hercules laughed and said, no such luck. Set your shoulder yourself to the wheel. The gods help those who help themselves. So we see in Greek mythology is where this phrase actually comes from. And Hercules is like known as the god of strength, right? Power, he's super strong and strength. You've probably seen the TV shows and the movies about Hercules. And the idea was, like, this guy's like, my wheel's stuck in the mud. If I just ask Hercules to lift it out, he'll just lift it out. And Hercules is like, you start lifting it out, and then maybe I'll give you some extra strength to do it. So that was where the, the idea comes from, from the Greek mythology, not from the Scripture, not from the Bible. So, but the Scripture doesn't say God helps those who help themselves, but it does say this. Since we have been made right by God, with God, by the blood of Jesus, he will certainly save us from condemnation. For since our friendship was restored by, by the death of his son, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now, a couple of words just leap off the page at me when I read this passage. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which should be what's up there on the screen at the same time. Um, the, 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 the words just jumping off the screen here at me are friendship and restored. Friendship and restored. We have a friendship with God. I mean, did you know that? A friendship. Like, we have this, 
sometimes there's the idea of the higher power. And God, he is a higher power. He's the highest power. The creator of the universe who spoke and breathed everything into existence or said, you know, bang and it banged. However he did it, I don't care. He, you know, there's this idea of he's just hard to wrap your brain around. And yet we can have friendship with God, a friend uh, of God, which is amazing. He considers you a friend, or at least he wants to. He, he wants to. Being a friend of God means you have a connection that goes stronger as you journey together. So when I say you have a, you're, you're a friend of God, or you can be a friend of God, when the scripture tells us we have friendship with God, it's saying you have a connection with God that gets stronger as you journey together. You never want to manipulate a friend, do you? Actually, probably what we would, I would say most, if not all of us in this room would say, if someone's trying to manipulate me, they're not really my friend, right? So we would never want to manipulate a friend. We wouldn't consider someone a friend who would try to manipulate us. So, so why would we try that with God? God says, I'm going to be your friend. And you're like, well, if, if you do this, then I'll do this. We don't treat our friends that way. So we don't earn God's help. We can't manipulate God into acting in our lives. I mean, we couldn't manipulate God anyway. He's God, right? So this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, can almost sound like we're making a list. Like, I'll make a list of all the things I'll do that, that, that I will do my part. Like, I'll help myself. I'll tick some of the boxes. Here's, the, here's these specific boxes. Tick, check, check, check. Tick them off. And when I do that, then, well, then I know that God will be pleased and God will show up. And then God will love me if I can just check off these certain boxes. I know I can get God's love if I do that. And that's not how it works. God wants a relationship with you. And the relationship God wants with you, he's already checked all the boxes. I mean, that's the thing. Is, that's the awesome thing of this. He's like, I did it all already. Just, just be my friend. Let me love you. The cure for lifeless religion, which is basically just checking off boxes without any heart behind it, is a relationship. The cure for a lifeless religion is relationship with God. So think about it. God desires to be known as father and friend, right? If you've, if you've heard the scriptures, you've been in Sunday school ever, or been in church at any time, you've probably heard that. God is father and God is friend. You've probably heard that before. Those two terms are terms of relationship and two very special and specific relationships. Father and friend. So true religion is birthed out of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ not the other around. You don't get the religion and then the relationship. You get this relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the, your religion begins to fall in place with that. Because you can't manipulate God into a relationship by keeping a religion. You can't. It doesn't work that way. There are some things you can't do and God wants to help and God's help and love can't be manipulated. And one other thing about all this is there can be no abdication of responsibility. There's no abdication on our part of responsibility. I'll put it this way. I had a, in, uh, back in the day, a few years ago, a little over 21 years ago, I was uh, attending Mid-America Christian University in Oklahoma City, which is where I got my degree in uh, pastoral ministry and Bible. And I had this one professor named Dr. Shelton. This is like the stuff of legend. If you ever like had a, a like you, you wanted to really get this one class with this one professor because they were so old. <laughs> they were so awesome. They were so awesome you wanted it for one reason. And then they were so old you didn't know how much longer they'd be around. This was Dr. Shelton. 
And he was like the he was like a legend. He'd been to they call the Holy Land, you know, over in Israel and, and all the Palestine, all those. He'd been over there several times and had all these pictures. And he was teaching classes in Old Testament and New Testament and showing you pictures he took of the of the places. I was I want to be in his class. I want I want I want to learn from this guy. Brilliant mind. And he had this way of starting off his class every single day, every class of every day. He would start the class off with prayer, and he would always have a student pray. And yeah, it's kind of like youth group or sometimes even awakened church when you guys come, come out to the house and are like, all right, somebody want to lead in prayer? And everybody's like. <laughs> but it got to be like, okay, this is Mid-America Christian University. A lot of us are here because we're getting a degree in ministry. And so we, we're going to step up and pray. So, and so a different student would pray every day. Except on test day, Dr. Shelton, every day it was test day, he would come, he would stand up and he'd say, all right, class, we're going to pray this morning. And I always say the prayer on test day because... I've known some students on test day, they just happen to get filled with the Holy Spirit and just pray for the whole hour and you miss the test completely and that's not going to happen today. So, and he would pray this prayer. I still hear him saying this over 20-something years later. And he's passed on. He's a great man of God. But I still remember him saying this prayer. God, these students are here today to take this test. Give them the grade they studied for. If they studied for an A, Lord, give them an A. If they didn't study... Well, give them what they deserve. Help them the best you can, Lord. And that was it. Like every time there was a test, he would pray that. I'm like, I'm studying because God probably answers this man's prayers. You know, I want to be, if I study, I want to get, I want to get there and get that. Um, so you have to take this responsibility. Of such. There's no abdication of responsibility on our part. When I think about how might someone uh, use prayer as abdication of responsibility, it kind of takes me back to that conversation I had this summer, like somebody assuming that I was praying without you know doing anything it's like you can pray god brings some people here or you can pray like i pray with my family every night god give us opportunities to meet someone and invest in them and invite them into a relationship with you and to awaken church so one thing i want to be careful to do is not come across like well since this phrase god helps those who help themselves isn't in the bible then that means that we don't have to do anything Okay, I don't want to, I want to come across like that. Like, well, that phrase isn't in there, so I don't have to do anything. The fact is, there are some things I cannot do, and, and, and I can't do those things, but that's not an abdication of responsibility to do everything I can do. I am, those things I'm responsible for, I can do. I need to do those. I should do those. We want to be good stewards of what we have, but that doesn't cause God to act. It doesn't cause God to act. If you're a good steward of what you have, there's all kinds of ways people define that. And it's like, it's basically doing the best you can with what you have or doing the right thing or the God-directed God thing with what you have. But that doesn't cause God to act. Some people will say, you know, if you just put in 10% of your income, God's going to reply, he's going to give you back 20% or 100%, sometimes like 100-fold. You know, you give $10, God's going to bless you with $100. It doesn't work that way. What it does is like, if you will just trust God with what you have and be a good steward with it, he's going to show up and he's going to bless you. But, it, but your keep being a good steward doesn't make him do anything. It just shows him and it shows us really, shows yourself, hey, I'm, I'm serious about this. Whatever it is you have that you want to be a good steward of, that's relationships, that's time management, that's uh, financial stuff, that's, that's every across the board. God's provided it for us. We want to be good stewards with it. But none of that Doing the right thing, the godly thing, doesn't cause God to act. 
So I mentioned this word restored while they jumped off the page at me just like a friend did. And here's why. Because our friendship with God has been restored by the blood of Jesus is what it says. And this word restored is so awesome. And and, uh, the, the Bible, especially this New Testament, was written in Greek originally, not in English. And this word in Greek that translates as restored in, uh, is this word catalasso. Let me hear you say catalasso. Catalasso. Sounds like there's this cowboy cat, right? With a la- like, he's like trying to rope our ca- Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> catalasso. Yeah. So, but it, it means to make, be made different by merging together, like restored, like, like it's, it's one way, but it gets merged together. We are merged with our spirit, it's merged with the spirit of Jesus. And there's a restoration that happens here. It's, uh, the word reconciliation, so it means the same thing. You're reconciled here. And it's like these mer- this, this mer- merging happens that, that the two things make something new or something restored this way. This word reconciled, reconciliation is there. And, and that takes us to 2 Corinthians 5.18 that says all of this, talking about the same salvation, the same thing we've just been talking about, the things you can't do ourselves, that God has done it and gives it to us as a gift. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Man, that's such good news. It's so good. He's no longer counting my sins against me. Y'all don't even know. Y'all know this is Pastor Steve. Y'all don't know Steve. From back in the day. Trust me. God no, doesn't hold my sins against me. Man, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And I'm not going to hold them against myself. He forgot. He forgave them. He said they're in the past. I'm going to say, all right, God, they're, they're staying in the past. I'm going to go forward. That's such good news. But he also says, not only have I done that, but I've given you this mission, this message. It's called reconciliation. It's restored. This, this thing where catalasso happens, literally made different by merging together. I want you to take that to other people. I want, I want others to do this, to be in this. So what do we do? Well, we rejoice. Verse 11 of Romans uh, 5 we've been reading today says that, that uh, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's a responsibility. You have a responsibility to rejoice in this. This is so good. We've seen that reconciliation, bringing people back to God, is a big part of our responsibility. If you've been around Awakened for a minute, this isn't the first time you've heard that. Like, this is our responsibility, bringing people back to God. Finding those, those people in our lives who are just, they're far from God. We're not judging, we're not, we're not here to judge where they are, but we see it, we know. They may, they may even say it. Um, I've had people tell me, I'm just really far from God right now. Well, I know that I should be praying for them because they're, they're admitting I'm far from God. And so it's our, our ability and responsibility to be able to rejoice in the fact we can share with them, man, there's a God who wants you to come home. He wants to have a relationship with you, and we get to rejoice. See, God's got a plan for you and for me, and it's all about this reconciliation, investing in others, inviting others to know and follow Jesus. And it's about rejoicing. And here's why we can rejoice. God desires to help you and be active in your life according to his plan. And man, his plan is awesome. So what's the next step for you to take here this morning? And I would suggest this. If you've not taken that next step of faith on your journey and saying, Jesus, I want to I just follow you 
and I'm still working with some questions, and trust me, questions are good. You can still have questions and follow Jesus. I've been following Christ for a long time, and I still have questions, and I'm still seeking some answers, and, 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 but I'm following. And so, say, you know, I want to follow you, and that next step may be just to say, Jesus, I just need you to be in charge here. I need you to be Lord of my life, and take that step if you haven't done that. I would say that would be a great next step for you to take. If you've taken that step, most of us may have, I would think, um, our Sunday morning, come to a movie theater to have church. You probably have no Jesus, or, or or at least have some kind of relationship with him. So, so that's cool. But and if you have, I mean, your next step probably needs to be something like and begin investing and inviting others into this relationship with Jesus. Maybe in investing them and invite them to awaken church. Um, one of the things that we do here is called 360 Impact. And I don't know if you got a card when you came in that says 360 Impact, but they're out on the, on the Connect table, and I'd encourage you to grab one. And what it is is it's a place for you to put down the names of three people who you, who you feel in your life are far from God. And you're making a commitment to pray for them six days a week. Like, I'm making this commitment, these three people. You're not, you don't need to like, show them, hey, you're on my prayer list. You know, that's probably not the best thing. But this is for you. It helps me, and it's helped a number of people uh, in my ministry that's done this. And the zero is you're going to miss zero opportunities to show them the love of Christ. So you're making this commitment. There's three people. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a commitment to pray for them six days a week. You know, praying for somebody is going to put them on your mind. You're going to be praying for their, for their blessing, for God to do good. And you're not playing like God get a hold of them, shake them up, unless they really, really need that. You're praying, you know, God bless them. Show them your presence. Allow, allow your spirit just to speak to them through me if I can. And then miss zero opportunities to show them the love of Christ. That might just be a smile. How are you doing a text? to go, hey, hey, I'm just uh, thinking about you today. Is there anything I can pray for you about? You know, even somebody who's like not a Christian, I have found, appreciates me saying sometimes, is there anything I can pray for you about? Because they understand that they might not believe, but they know I do. I have, I have a couple of friends that even told me that. I don't believe, but I'm, I believe you believe. And could you please pray for me? And I'm like, I will pray for you, yes. So, do, so I would encourage you to do that. And, and, uh, and then when it comes to, to the inviting part of investing, we've actually got a couple of tools you can use as well. Out on the table, um, we have these cards. One is these postcards say finding your way back to God that's kind of been our theme almost two years ago guys we're almost to our two-year anniversary of, of celebrating as as a church having weekly worship services uh, first Sunday in October we'll do that um, but we've had these kind of since then just kind of like hey if you want to you know find your way back to God here's here's who we are a little quick thing and the other one is a smaller like business card size just got a little logo on the front we actually have some t-shirts coming to have that something similar to that on the back and it just has our meeting dates and some a link to our website and social media on the back. And so it's very like, hey, man, why don't you just join us? And uh, there's a bunch of these out there. I would encourage you, like everybody today, I'd actually say, you know what? I want to challenge you today to take at least three of those little business card things. And this week, just find just three people. Just, just, just hand that to them. Say, hey, I go to Awaken or check this out. Or, I, or maybe you don't, I'm not going to, maybe so I came one time, I ain't coming back. That's cool. But why don't you hand that card to somebody else because maybe they'll come back. And um, I would just challenge us all to do that because I'll do it, and uh, I would like to see you guys do it. So grab those on the way out and make that part of your next step. Let's just pray, and, and uh, these guys are going to come up and lead us. We'll sing another song. Lord, God, we love you so much. We thank you that, um, that you help us even when we can't help ourselves. Lord, we thank you that we have this, this, this cliche, this phrase out there that kind of opens up our eyes to this. Um, this reality, Lord, that uh, we, we are responsible to do the things we can do. And everything we can do, Lord, Lord we, we know that, that we need to do that. 
But Lord, there's things we can't, and I believe that you're the one who gives us the strength to do that, or the grace, or this, the, the salvation, the, the victory, Lord, to do those things that we can't do. So Lord, we just trust you with that, um, that you've already done that through Jesus Christ, and that we would walk in that truth. Thank you that you want to help us, that you want to be involved in our lives, and that you have a plan for us. Lord, I pray that we would all just seek your plan, and uh, instead of trying to add you to our plan, or ask you to bless our plan, but Lord, we would seek you first. And as we seek you first and, and seek the kingdom of God, Lord, you'll add all the rest of these things to our lives. Now, God, help us to know what our next step is. If there's anybody here this morning that's even watching online, and they're not in a relationship with you, they haven't taken that step of saying, yes, I want to put my... Lord, did they just do this right now? Lord, they would just say that a, a simple prayer, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. That's a confession. That's the first step. Lord, for those of us who've done that, Lord, I pray that you would just, Holy Spirit, encourage us, move us, challenge us, Lord, to be about investing in others and inviting them. And as we do that, Lord, we will give you glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.